Thank you very much, John. It's uh, really good to be here again with you. Praise the Lord. Did we, is there a thermostat? Um, is somebody really turned it up very hot? Yeah, it's, I mean, I like it warm. I've just been somewhere warm, in fact, but I think it's even warmer here. But praise the Lord. It's good to see you all anyway today. This is the day the Lord has made. Thanks, Steve, for leading us in worship and Francis leading the meeting so well. It's really good to be together again. Now, this morning, I'm not going to be speaking from a particular passage, but um, I wrote this before I went on holiday, went on holiday recently, and I wrote this before I went away, and I wrote this especially for uh, up here, and uh, something that has been on my heart that I wanted to share with you, but I'm not doing it from a specific passage, but I'm going to be hopping around a bit, but the burden of what I want to say can probably be summed up in two words, and they are presence matters. Presence matters. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, not the Christmas presents kind. Presence matters. Recently, about a couple of weeks ago, we met as leaders down at the King Center to talk about some of our core values, our DNA. What were the things the Lord started at the outset of Kings when we began as a small house fellowship, then became Living Waters Fellowship down on the Penn Road. And we were talking, among other things, about intentionally passing on our DNA to the next generation. Often movements can die off sort of a generation or two generations down the road, and we we don't want that to happen. We want something which the Lord has begun to continue. We want the next generation to catch the fire, as it were. We want them to run faster than us. We want them to run further than us. We want them to do more than we've ever done. So we were talking about passing on our DNA to the next generation. So we were asking ourselves, well, what, what's core in our DNA? And I've been in this movement for over 40 years. I wasn't actually at the very first meeting of King's Church, but Joy, my wife, was. And I came along very quickly after that to, to Living Waters. I think the, the main thing for me was this, the coming of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit was the crucial factor in what happened to birth this church. We became people of the Spirit, and that opened up the truth of God's Word to us. So it wasn't a case of Word or Spirit. No, the Spirit came, and very kindly and very graciously, He began to unlock truths in the Word that had been lost perhaps for a generation or even two. We experienced the tangible presence of the Lord. I remember many times when the presence of the Lord was so profound that nobody spoke, so as not to disturb that sense of the presence of God. Now, it's very interesting that when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God came down on him in the form of a dove. Now, if there was a dove here, I would have to be very careful not to disturb it and make it fly away. And sometimes we would have meetings where the presence of God was just so precious that no one said anything. You hardly dared move. I also remember uh, people running out of the meeting because they were disturbed by the presence of God. There was something in them that didn't quite gel with what was going on, didn't quite feel comfortable with that, to put it mildly, and they would suddenly just run out of the meeting. They couldn't stand the presence of God. They were disturbed by that. There were gifts of the Spirit. 
speaking in tongues, prophetic words. There was deliverance from evil spirits, words of knowledge, healings, an appetite to meet and share the gospel with others. This is part of the DNA of this church. There was overflowing love for the Lord. That's my recollection of how things started. Now, unless you think I'm looking back to a golden era, I'm not. There were problems, there were issues, there were difficulties that we had to face. But I want to encourage us to continue to be people of the presence. I think this is so crucial. In Exodus 32, Moses goes up the mountain to get the commandments from the Lord. And when he's up there, the people down below can't be bothered waiting, so they say to Aaron, we don't know what's happened to that fellow, make us a, a god that we can worship, which he does, makes a golden calf. By the time Moses gets down, they started worshiping this golden calf. And then when Moses gets down, the Lord is not happy with the people. And he says to Moses, one of the things he says is, now go lead the people to the place I spoke of. He's gracious, the Lord, and my angel will go before you. Well, that's pretty good, I think. Could be the angel Gabriel. That would be nice. Could be the the archangel Michael. Could be that angel that you read about in Revelation who plants one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and his face shines like the sun. Pretty formidable person. But Moses realizes something very important. And later on he says, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, This is the key part. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So Moses realized something crucial. It was going to be the presence of the Lord and what that meant that was going to distinguish them from everyone else. So when the presence of the Lord was among the people of God, it would promote a society of justice and kindness a society of right living, a society characterized by truth, love, and joy. So Moses realized something very important. It wasn't good enough to have even the archangel Michael go with them. No, I want your presence. And the Lord says, okay, my presence will go with you. And we need to have that same attitude. We want your presence. I personally, want your presence. I personally want to experience the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not good enough even to come to a so-called charismatic church, which is what this is, where there are gifts of the Spirit going on and there's contemporary type worship. That's not enough. It's not enough to hear some good Bible teaching. Hopefully it's going to be good. It's not enough. It's not enough to have had an experience 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's not enough. We have to be people today of the presence. We have to be people today who experience the Spirit of God moving and working in our lives for ourselves. It's great to be together. It's great to see other people enjoying the presence of the Lord. What about you personally? We need to be people of the presence. When Moses met with the Lord, his face would often glow afterwards because he'd been in the presence of the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 3, it tells us, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So Moses would glow when he was uh, encountered the Lord. But Paul, the apostle, is telling us there's something greater going on here. There's a greater dispension. Dispension. There's a greater dimension of what the Spirit is doing. All over the world, we sing, the Spirit is moving. All over the world as the waters cover the sea. That was one of the songs that we used to sing. It's still true today. And actually, what the Spirit has birthed as part of our DNA has gone out into the world, which is very exciting and very thrilling. The glory of the new covenant outstrips the glory of the old. There was a Graham Kendrick song, ever-changing from glory to glory, mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. We need to be people of the presence. As we have grown in numbers over the years, we've developed systems. We've developed strategies. We've got charts. We've got bar charts. We've got numbers. We've got organization. We've got staff. We've got a nice building. We've got accountability financially. We've got financial prudence. We've got all those things. But one thing we don't want to lose in the midst of all those things, which may all be good, great, fantastic, and necessary, is a sense of the presence. And I'm not saying it's either or. Both and. But let's not forget that we are people of the presence. The old hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Do we? Do we have a sense of the Spirit of God? Do you? Do you still stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene? Or has it all become rather familiar, rather routine? That can be a danger. And it's not something that happens overnight. It just kind of creeps, creeps upon us, a bit like old age. Just doesn't come suddenly, but it just slowly, 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 slowly begins to happen. Do we still stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene? Do we have an expectation that he will meet with us, that he will move in and through us? The apostles did a healing and then taught in the temple. And the religious authorities who didn't like it wanted them to stop. But Luke tells us in Acts 4, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note, what did they take note of? That these men had been with Jesus. Interesting. Ordinary men. When they saw that they were ordinary men, now one of our Mission statements is, or our mission statement is, ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. Ordinary people. They were ordinary men, but they had been in the presence of Jesus. They'd heard his word. They'd seen his deeds, and they'd been delegated authority by him. First the 12 were delegated authority, then the 72. When the disciples ask about the future of the kingdom, Jesus' final words before he ascends to heaven are, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are final words that Jesus says. The very last words before he ascends to heaven. You will receive power when the Spirit 
comes upon you. And we need to be people upon whom the Spirit comes. Amen? Are you in agreement with me? So we want to be like that. The Holy Spirit comes on you. I'm going to hear a testimony in a moment, or we're going to hear one. The truth is, we've seen some of this here at King's. Many times we've seen the Holy Spirit come upon people on many occasions. And we're going to hear about a couple right now. So Marcel, Marcel very kindly agreed to share something what happened to him. Let's encourage him as he comes up. Now, Mar- Marcel and Claire lead uh, the Hazelmere Connect group. And uh, they meet at our house. And I'm not actually officially part of the Connect group, but I was in the other room when Marcel was sharing about what happened to him when the Spirit came upon him. And my ears pricked up. And I thought, aha, that'd be great for you to hear it today. So, Marcel. He was ears dropping. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you about two encounters. Uh, One was uh, 27 years ago, and it was the first time that I was filled with the Spirit. Um, I'd been a Christian for probably six months, and about a month before, uh, a guy called Luke Thompson had told me there was this thing you could receive, the Holy Spirit, and uh, a sort of back burner, but kept thinking about it, and then uh, about a month later, we were at Wellsbourne Church, and at the end of the meeting, um, they asked people if they wanted to go down for prayer, so I went down for prayer, and there was Neil and uh, Alec Thomas, And I said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, they started praying for me, which seemed like forever. And I remember closing my eyes, sitting there thinking, oh, you've been too bad. This ain't for you. This is not for you. (laughs) And Neil then said to me, "Uh, Marcel, just confess your sins before, uh, before Jesus. And, uh, you know, I've done some really bad things. And I thought, oh my word, that, you know, people are going to hear me. It's going to be awful. So I just, I started to uh, speak out some of the horrible things I'd done in a shallow voice. And after a couple of minutes, Neil asked me to be uh, quiet before the Lord. And as he'd done that, a golden light came in through my, my body, all the way down, all the way, just right the way through my body, right down to my toes. And I just felt like I was being cleansed. And at the end of it, I just praised the Lord for hours. It was just amazing. Um, Another time, this was many years later, um, it was about the time of the Toronto blessing, they called it. And I remember going to these meetings on Tuesdays and Fridays, and for three weeks, I'd always go up for prayer. Nothing had really happened. And I remember Frank Matthews, he went up the front and he, he, he read out a passage And uh, it was Isaiah 55, and it's a passage I love. And the long and short of it is, it basically says, you know, why do you spend your money on what does not satisfy and um, when everything basically is free and it's here right now? And as he said that, that just spoke just so direct to me. And I just remember this, it's almost like this pressure building up and I just had amazing laughter to the extent that at four o'clock the next morning at home, the next door neighbours were banging on our door, threatening to phone the police. Because <laughs> at the same time, Stuart Morris and um, ben? ben Morton, we all shared a house. We were all being filled. <laughs> it was uh, an incredible night. That's just two. 
Thank you very much, Marcel. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is evidence. And sometimes the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit can sometimes be disconcerting. As Marcel shared on that second occasion, there was laughter. And uh, sometimes there may be tears. Sometimes there may be shaking. And sometimes we can be put off by seeing what's happening to other people and think, oh, I'm not sure that's for me. Now, if I was to invite you to my house, um, and we've had some guests staying with us overnight last night, and they left this morning. And so when they came to our house yesterday evening, um, we welcomed them in, obviously. We said, please uh, have a seat on the sofa or chair, whatever. Would you like some tea or would you like a glass of wine? Is there anything you'd like? So we kind of made them hopefully feel very welcome. And uh, that was nice to have them. But if an elephant came to the house, I guess it would sit where it wanted. I guess it might take the doors off its hinges on the way in. I guess it might squash the coffee table. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, it probably wouldn't be neat and tidy. Sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to do the thing, to do things the way we would like. You know, we want them to be done in the way that we think they should be done. Now, Holy Spirit, if you're going to come into my life, this is how I want you to do it. I want to control this and this and this. And please, can you sit here? And please, can you not disturb any of the furniture that's in the room because it might not suit me? Now, but. We have to ask ourselves, who are we? We need to have a bit of humility, don't we? Who are we to tell the Holy Spirit how he should do things? He's surely entitled to do things in the way that he wants to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us to keep the word of God. If we are to love God, as Jesus tells us to do, with all our heart, with all our soul, mind and strength, and to love others as we love ourselves, how on earth are we going to do that? Where's the power for that going to come from? Where's the ability? Where's the love from that command going to come from? We need the Holy Spirit. The experiences we have of the Holy Spirit, they're not ends in themselves, but springboards to our faith and confidence in the Lord. They're springboards to mission. They're springboards to reaching out. The church of God needs the power of God to fulfill the mission of God. But we all need to experience the Holy Spirit for ourselves. You need to experience the Holy Spirit for yourself. Maybe different to what, to what Marcel experienced. But nevertheless, we need to experience that love of God, that infilling of the Holy Spirit, that overwhelming presence of God for ourselves. He gives power and he keeps Jesus central. He leads into truth. John, the gospel writer, says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit comes and he makes and keeps Jesus central in the church. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. Speaking in tongues is one of them. Giving prophetic words is another one. Words of knowledge that you can't have other than supernaturally about situations, gifts of healing. I don't know about you, but many times I've been strengthened and blessed 
by prophetic words. It was interesting as well that Marcel shared about when Isaiah 55 was read, it really spoke to him. It was something that the Spirit did as the Word of God was proclaimed. The Spirit of God took that Word and brought it to life. And maybe even this morning, the Spirit of God is doing that for you here today. The Spirit of God is taking some truth and bringing it to life in your heart. Bringing perhaps a challenge. Bringing perhaps a confirmation. Bringing perhaps some light in your life. Something that you need. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. I know that John, I've been blessed over the years by many prophetic words. Richard Lodge down in the town center, he's given us over the years several prophetic words that have been very significant. Now, we know, of course, that prophetic words need to be weighed up. I was talking to him about it a couple of weeks ago, and I said, oh, do you remember you gave us a prophetic word about uh, we were on a mountain, and we were enshrouded in clouds? And he said, yeah, I remember giving you that. He said, I was in an airplane in America, flying over America on business, and I was looking out of the window, and I was looking down on the clouds, and I felt the Lord speak to me for you. Amazing, isn't it? You know, this is the Spirit of God at work. He's on business. He's in a plane flying over America. We're here in the UK, in our little corner of the world, and the Lord speaks to him for us. There's a power of the Spirit, the supernatural power of the Spirit. And actually, the word that he gave was incredibly significant. At the same time, it was difficult to believe. Because we said, you're enshrouded in cloud, but the Lord says, I'm going to take the cloud away. And the view that you're going to have is going to be amazing. At the time, we thought, how can that happen? How can this be? It's a bit like when the angel came to Mary and she said, how can this be? It wasn't a, a how can this be of disbelief. It was a how is it going to happen? So we need the power of God. We need the spirit of God. We need the gifts that the spirit gives I don't know about you, but personally, sometimes I get discouraged. I want to be real about praying for healing. One of the gifts of the Spirit is healing. Not all are healed. You you may have prayed for someone. They may not have been healed. Does that mean then that we stop praying? Well, we know that the kingdom is both now and not yet. My responsibility is not to do the healing. In fact, I can't do the healing. Only God can do that. My responsibility is to pray. Let's be people who reach out. Let's be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's be people who use the gifts of the Spirit. Stir up the gift that is within you. What gifts has the Lord given you? Are they lying dormant? Do you need to stir them up? Do you need to stoke the fire? We do need to do it from time to time. Presence matters. We can have all the systems in the world, but unless we have the living reality of the presence of God, unless we have the living reality of the Spirit of God, then let's go home. Presence matters. So we have to be people of the presence. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are or how long you've been in the faith. You need to be a person of the presence of Almighty God. You need to be a person who is touched and filled with the Holy Spirit. So do you experience the presence of God? For me, most of the times when I've profoundly experienced the presence of the Lord is when I'm in meetings, in times of worship. And John was encouraging us to come to the encounter evenings. There's one next Sunday, was it John? Next Sunday, encounter evening, where we can be people who are, again, encouraged to be filled with the Holy Spirit and prayed for and all that kind of thing. But also, we need the presence of one another. That's very important. 
It's something I feel really strongly about. There's been a cost to going to two sites. And I still personally feel that cost. And most of the time, I'm down in the town center, and I miss you. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what encouragement I personally can draw from your presence. Even now, as I'm looking around, I can draw strength and encouragement. You'd be surprised from your presence. Your presence matters. It's part of the cost, and you may feel that too. Being up here in Hazelmere, yeah, it's great. It's something new. It's, it's mission. It's, it's exciting. But I guess there's also a sense of loss, part of the cost. I may not even speak to you this morning, but nevertheless, I can draw strength from your presence. Your presence matters. The Apostle Paul's letters, which we are studying and going through in Philippians, it's very interesting. So if you read through the whole Bible, I wonder how many names there are in the Bible. You know, you get, sometimes um, you might decide, I'm going to read through the whole Bible in a year. You make a New Year resolution and you start off very well because Genesis is lots of good stories. So it's fairly easy to get through that. You've got Adam and Eve, you've got Noah, you've got the flood, you know, you've got Jacob, you've got Abraham, you've got all that stuff. So it's quite interesting. But then you get, you get to things like Chronicles where you get lists of names that are very difficult to pronounce and certainly fairly impossible to remember. And uh, I've read through the Bible in a year a few times and uh, you know, even I get bogged down there and I was thinking recently... Why? Why did you write all those names, Lord? What's the point? It doesn't really mean anything to me personally. And I certainly can't remember the names. I can't even pronounce them, let alone remember them. So why is that in there? And I was thinking about this, and I don't know what the top theologians would say is the answer, but me as a lowly theologian, this is what I think. I think that God is interested in people. He's interested in individuals. Not only that, he's interested in families. He's interested in the connections in families as well. And that to me comes out as you read all these genealogies and all that kind of stuff. Also, it tells me that God's a God of promise. That he doesn't forget people. He remembers. He remembers people. He remembers his covenant. He remembers his promises. And that he's going to fulfill them. And in uh, Philippians, Paul writes about one particular guy. He says, But I think it is necessary. He's in prison. Paul is suffering. They've sent him someone to help him. But Paul, being very unselfish, writes, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who's also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. And I thought, wow. To me, this is, this is what, partly what the Bible's about. It's about individuals, and they matter. Epaphrodite is here. He matters. He's been ill. The people are concerned. Paul's been helped by him, but Paul's unselfish. He says, no, I'm going to send them back to you. People matter. You matter. Your presence matters. Who you are is important. What you bring to the situation is important. What you bring to the life of the church, to the life of the community is crucial. And when you are not there, there is something missing. Now, I'm not saying that to put you under a sense of guilt. Oh, I'm, he's saying I must be there every week, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that. If that's how you're hearing it, then please forgive me. I'm not expressing it well enough. That's not my intention. My intention is to encourage you to realize that what you bring is unique. One of the things that the Spirit birthed as part of our DNA is that we are the body of Christ. And every single part of that body is necessary. 
We're talking again with our guest last night, and he had a problem with one of his toes. And it's just a small thing, but it was affecting his ability to do things. Every part of the body is important. You matter, so your presence matters. You'd be surprised how much it does. I want you to realize afresh that your presence matters. We're people of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep being amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Let's be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Marcel came and he shared his testimony. And every day for three weeks he went out, or however often it was, and he got prayed for. He was unashamed to do that. And the Lord met with him. And the Lord met with him in, in a spectacular way. And I know for a fact that that's still going on in his life. Because I've seen what's going on. At least some of it. Your presence matters. You're here by divine purpose. Your presence is a key factor in the health of the church. You're not here by chance, but you're here by divine appointment. How about this for a thought? That from before the foundation of the world, the Lord God himself, who we are singing about this morning, purposed for you to be right here in this very room on this very day in 2017. How amazing is that? You're here by chance? No way. You're here by divine purpose. The God who knitted you together in your mother's womb, as we saw those two precious children earlier, has knitted you to be here as part of this community here at King's this morning. Your presence matters. You know, our oldest member at King's is Neil Bartlett's father, Ken. He's 91 years old. You may have seen him down there. He uses a walking frame. He finds it difficult to stand in the worship times, because often we would sit behind him and Stella. He uses his walking frame, and he's very difficult on his feet. And I may not speak to him or Stella on a Sunday morning, but I notice when they're there. I notice when they're not there. And I think, I wonder if they're okay. And sometimes I'll say to Neil or one of the family, how are Kenneth, how are your mom and dad, grandma and granddad, how are they doing today? Their presence matters. It matters. They may not do anything in the church. I don't know. As you get older, your strength weakens and so on. I wouldn't expect them to be doing anything at that age. But nevertheless, their presence still matters. Your presence matters. Please hear that. The presence of God matters for us as the community of God's people. And we need to continue to be people of the Spirit. Amen?